If you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to come back to the book of Ephesians, and, uh, and I'm going to read you a chunk of the Bible, and we're going to unpack what Paul is talking about in these verses. Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 11. starts in chapter 11, I'm sorry, chapter 2 verse 11 saying, therefore remember that formerly you were, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death the hostility he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near For through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Mm. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. Wow, Mm. there's so much in there. You Mm. can probably do weeks and weeks. And to be honest, when I first read it this week, I thought, what's that all about? (laughs) And it's fun when you don't know what something's all about. A good thing to do is just read it again and again and again in lots and lots of different translations until clarity comes. I don't know if you've ever seen that TV show called Grand Designs. I don't know if you've ever watched that program. People have a dream, don't they, of a type of house that they want to build. And and they they go to an architect. And sometimes it could be crazily small plots of land in London. And they want to build this amazing house. Or sometimes they've got this piece of Welsh countryside. And they've got to integrate it into the hills. And they've all got this dream. And dreams about how it's going to look and how it's going to feel and the fabric and the bricks and what it's going to be made of. And essentially these verses are about the fact that God has a dream house that he is building. That God, the wonderful architect, is actually about building a building. He's building a house. And he's building a house in which he feels incredibly at at home in his own house. And this house is taking shape 
day by day, hour by hour, week by week. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I'm building myself a house. And in these verses, at the end, it says, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple or a dwelling in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God is building a house. And if someone came up to you, you're a Christian, and said, where's God? I don't see God. Actually, God makes his dwelling now in the hearts of men and women. And if on the earth people were saying, what's God like? Where's God? What's God doing? We should be a people where we can point them to the local church. And say, actually, the local church is a dwelling place for God. That's where all the bricks and the blocks are all coming together of people saved by his grace and saved by his goodness being built into a dwelling where God lives. You are God's address. <laughs> you know, when, when you're at work, you are God's address in that place. You know, where does God live? Well, he's actually living in my heart. I've got the fullness of God living in me. I am God's address. We are being built to become a dwelling place for the Lord. And actually the dream is, and what God's building is, when men and women have questions about God, questions about salvation, questions about their soul, the place they go and look is God's address. Where's God? In the local church. When they need a breakthrough, go to the local church. That's where Jesus lives. He's in the hearts of men and women. Not in a necessarily a fabric of a building, a physical building, but in the hearts and the lives of men and women. So if you're a believer, God lives in you. You are God's mobile home. <laughs> Where you go, God goes. When you walk somewhere, God's in you. When you go to the supermarket, God's come to the supermarket. There might not be one other believer in there, but God is now resident in you in that place, in that bus stop, in that cinema, in that restaurant, in that workplace, at that family meal. We are being built together as God's mobile home, his mobile residence, so that wherever we go, God goes. And you might be thinking, how can God feel comfortable in me? <laughs> how can God, who created the heavens and the earth, actually feel comfortable to, for me to be his home? Doesn't it say in Psalm 24, who can stand in his holy place, his house, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Doesn't the Bible say that? And then we look at our lives by our own standards and we think, well, actually I don't think my heart and my hands are completely clean. We might think, I know what I've been thinking. I know what's going on in my life. Who can then be a dwelling place for God? If the Bible says you've got to have clean hands and a pure heart, who can actually be that? And these verses tell us that it's Jesus Christ who gives us clean hands and a pure heart. And he says that in verse 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ gives us clean hands and a pure heart. So when you're trusting in Jesus, as we've heard this morning, when you're putting your confidence in Jesus and saying... He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. What's happening is your hands and your heart are being made absolutely, perfectly clean for eternity so that God says, actually, that's a dwelling place for me. I can make your heart my home because you are clean. The word of God has made you clean. Your conscience has been cleansed. 
So I'm with you, I'm in you. The very fullness of God makes up his home in the heart through grace, by faith, through the finished work of Jesus. And so he's always with you, always with you. It's always based on the finished work of Jesus. It's not, um, well, I'm his home, I'm his mobile home, I'm his dwelling when I've had a good week, when I've done well. Actually, he's your home, he's with you, he's in you, on the week when you might be thinking, I've not done so well. I've not prayed, I've not done this, I've not done that. Maybe there's been even some sin and you think, actually, I'm regretful, I'm disappointed, there might be some feelings of shame. Actually, God says nothing can separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus. Nothing can. Your hands and your heart are made completely and wonderfully clean. And so these verses are talking about the way people get cleaned up is through Jesus. And Jesus says in these verses that everyone has equal access to the Father. He says that in verse 18, for for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one by one spirit. I want you to know that these verses are saying that in the household of God, no brick is inferior and no brick is superior. That actually you are and I am and everyone is brought near to God the Father through Jesus. Mm. That every brick is equal. Every brick is wonderful. Every brick is significant. There's not some who can say, yeah, I'm a superior brick or I'm an inferior brick. Every single stone in this house that he's building is wonderfully, wonderfully equal. And so you can see that what Paul is addressing in these verses is this. For centuries you've had Israel. Now Israel were a people who God established, not to be separate from the nations, but actually to be a light to the nations. To be a people who represented to the world, this is what it looks like when you've got favour with God. This is what it looks like when you walk with God. This is what it looks like when, you're, when you are, are, are loving God, trusting God, being God's people. The commands were there to show the world, actually this is a people God's put his stamp on. They've got my law, they've got my ways. They're representing me in the earth. And then, but his heart was always to bless all the nations. Yeah? Right from Abraham, God was saying, actually, I want you to be the father of all the nations. And that's what's wonderful about being here. The nations are here. God's heart was always that his household, his grand design, wouldn't be one nation, but it would be the nations. uh, All the peoples of the earth that could be blessed through Jesus. But you can imagine how it must have felt after, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come, and suddenly the nations are getting saved, in exactly the same way that the Jews were. The, the, you know, Paul Peter goes to Cornelius' house, it says in Acts, and this is a Gentile, and the Holy Spirit comes on him, and the Holy Spirit fills him. And this people who didn't have the heritage of the, the Jewish They didn't have circumcision, outward sign of covenant and promise and connection to God. They were uh, people who were strangers and foreigners and far, and suddenly now they're being included. And so Paul is saying, actually, look at Israel. Yeah, God wants all the nations. 
And, and he's saying that for a long while it was just the one nation, now in Jesus Christ is reconciling all people into this wonderful house, this varied and multicoloured family that display the wisdom of God. Because it was easy for Israel to feel superior to everyone else. You know, they've got a heritage. They had the prophets who were pointing to Jesus. They had the temple worship. They, they had the stories. And now God is adding in the nations. And he's saying, actually, in these verses, I'm pulling down the wall of hostility between Israel and non-Israelites, between Gentiles and Jews, between the circumcised, those who have the covenant, and those who are outside the covenant. He's pulling down the walls between those people who felt they were near and those people who felt they were far, and saying, in Jesus Christ, I'm making peace between all these people. So that no Brit can say, I'm superior because we have the promises and we've got the history and, and we have these stories. And one Brit can feel, no, we're inferior because we were once far from God and we didn't have the hope that they had and the stories that they've got. And in these verses, he's basically saying that whether a person's heritage was they had the promises of God and the ritual and the temple, or whether someone was super far from God and knew nothing about anything that God was doing in the earth, both groups equally get made right through Jesus Christ. That's really what these verses are saying. That neither is superior, neither is inferior, that both get made righteous through Jesus. And an example for us today might be someone who could say, yeah, I was brought up in a Christian family. And from, a, from an early age, I, I was brought up to know Jesus. And I, I was brought up to go to, to be amongst God's people, to be in the presence of God. And from an early age, I was reading the Bible. From an early age, I got filled with the Spirit. And from an early age, I, I just knew what God was doing in the earth. And that person could think, yeah, I, I could feel superior to somebody who just got saved from a crazy crazy far away life who who found themselves entrenched in all kinds of different sins, who didn't have God in the earth, didn't know what God was doing. And it would be easier for the one who's lived a certain type of life to feel, yeah, I'm a superior brick to someone who's lived a crazy life, a wild life, a sinful life. And Paul would say, no, actually, there's no difference between the two of you. Both of you come through the same door, and that door is Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes peace. He's the one who cleanses your conscience. He's the one who cleans you up. It's through the cross, through the blood, through the life, death and resurrection. Whatever your life is. Because sometimes you can find people who feel, actually I'm not worthy to be built into the house of God. I'm not worthy to be used by God. I'm not worthy to be significant because where I've come from feels like the gutter. And God says, no, actually you're all equal. Everyone's equal. You're all equal in this. All have brought, been brought near and brought in on everything. And that's what God is saying in these verses. Whereas a person who just woke up to the gospel, or someone who's been following Jesus for years, when you're saved, you're brought in on everything instantly. Yeah. Wonderful. I remember in the church we were leading in Essex, and we'd been asking God to see more healing and more breakthrough, and, and we'd been really asking God for a couple of years. And Andrea became a Christian, and two weeks later, she'd already prayed for this little baby who, who'd been suffering quite a serious condition, and the baby rolled for the very first time. 
Mm. And we thought, we've been waiting for two years for this. Andrea got, got brought in on everything instantly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's like with God. He's building his house, and it's like, it's like he's building it, and other people are labouring and building, and you can just step in on the level immediately. You know, you don't have to wait for years. It's like maybe for us, believing that God can speak to us words of knowledge, and for healing and hearing the stories that's going on in Colombia, you might think, well, that's a journey I've got to go on. Actually, you get brought in on everything immediately, just by hearing of faith. You just believe it. And you get in, you don't have to work your socks off and uh, labour for it. You get brought in equally because Christ treats everyone as equal. That's what this verse is really saying. He just treats everyone identically. You know, the Jews felt superior. We've got our history, we've got the temple, we've got the, the laws, we've got the prophet. You, you Gentiles are inferior. And Jesus says, no, 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 everyone's equal. Everyone's equal. You have to know that when you come to church, that we're all brothers and sisters. We're family together. We're all equal. He even says, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So sometimes what can happen in churches, in our mentality, we can think there's a division between what has been called the priesthood and the laity. In other words, you can have an idea that, yeah, leaders have access to God... But the body, the people, the brothers and sisters, don't. They lag behind. That's actually unbiblical. Because Paul is saying, no, no, everybody gets brought in on everything. You have been brought in to have access to the Father by one Holy Spirit. You have access to God. You can hear God's voice. You can have adventures. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved 20 seconds or 20 years. You're the same. Equal access. You get in on everything. You don't have to wait to pay your dues. You hear it with faith. You can have it. We all walk through the same door. Jesus Christ. We all get saved by grace. Through faith. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So if you hear... Faith can be ignited. I love this illustration because we can sometimes think that salvation is by grace. Grace means it's a free gift. Then faith is my works. Right, I'm going to believe. I'm going to work hard. Now faith really is a gift from God that just gives you another lens to see life through. Oh, it's just a gift from God. Now I'm seeing through a different set of lenses. You can hear the proclamation of the good news about Jesus as a free gift. And then God gives you lenses... And you grab, wow, it's true. It's like it comes alive. Faith is like a freezing moment in cinema where you see the images coming out of you. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. It's a gift of God. It's by grace through faith. God gives you lenses. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, you can hear a testimony about Columbia... And you can mix it with faith and hear it and think, that could happen here. We we can see that babies' feet healed that couldn't do something it couldn't do. That that muscle strength come. We could see that. Mm -hmm. Faith hears the testimony and believes, oh, John just said to her own body, be healed in the name of Jesus, Mm -hmm. pain be gone. Oh, we're all equal. We all can do that. 
we all can do that I just I just need to hear it and then suddenly wow I'm I'm seeing in a different way I've got lenses on that are different we all are equal we're all brought in on everything Christ treats us as equals no one is frowned upon in this body no one is whatever your story no one is frowned upon in the people of God no one is looked down upon no one's inferior no one's superior He's using us all, it doesn't matter how you got in. Whether you got in through a Christian family and you always knew Jesus, or you lived a crazy life and you've suddenly come to Jesus, you are equal and you don't have to clean yourself up. Because that's the other thing that happens is people feel inferior because they think they've got to clean themselves up. Actually, you get cleaned up practically in the same way you got saved. You just come to Jesus and you believe him day by day and you look to him and you trust him. Everybody has a vital part to play. That's what he's saying in these verses, particularly to a Jewish and non-Jewish, circumcised, uncircumcised, Gentile, Jew culture. He's saying, look, there's no superiority anymore, guys. The nations are coming in. Everyone's equal. Everyone has a part to play. Everybody counts. Everybody counts. You have a part to play in God's family. You are significant. You are valuable. <laughs> you really are. You really are. Sometimes I've met people who, who, who can feel that, yeah, my old life was done and dealt with. I can see that, but does Jesus deal with the mistakes I've made since coming to Christ? In the same way. <laughs> when Jesus died, how many of your sins were future? They all were. So they all get covered in the same way. In coming to Christ, all that old life gets dealt with in a moment. You get a new heart, new mind, a new beginning. And then he deals with all your future life in exactly the way he did with your past. It's all forgiven in exactly the same way. So no one can feel superior, inferior. It's always by Jesus. And finally, it's a house that he's building that's characterised by harmony. It's peace with God. And he talks about this wall of hostility, this wall, this physical wall that would have been there, that that was a wall that said, hey Gentiles, you're on the other side of this, and Jews, you're on the other side. (laughs) There's an in people and there's an out people. There's those who can get in to the Holy of Holies, the temple, and there's those who just are in the court of the Gentiles. And he's, no, no, this, this got ripped down so that everybody could have equal access to God. Harmony through Christ. Harmony through the finished work of Jesus. He dissolves all division. There's no longer insiders and outsiders. Everyone is included. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the glue that holds the whole thing together. The church is the most unique place on the planet. There is nowhere else where you're going to get such a diverse group of people from by diverse backgrounds and diverse stories and diverse families and education the rich and the poor, who all come together, held together, glued together by the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. It's unique. It's a unique place on planet Earth. Yeah, you can go to clubs, and you can go to different clubs, and you can go to chess clubs, bowls clubs, football clubs, but you won't find people glued together like 
they are in Jesus Christ. Mm. You can go to a football match and they might all be singing about the same team, but they don't go home and do life together and, walk, <laughs> and want to walk deeply together and trust one another and, 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 and be knitted together as a family. It's only in that hour and a half they've got one common purpose to sing on their team and then it dissolves and disappears. But Jesus Christ creates a glue that glues the nations together. Jesus Christ is the answer to the hostility between nations. Jesus Christ is the key to reconciliation between the rich and the poor. Jesus Christ is the key to reconciliation between men and between women. Jesus is the key to reconciliation between the classes, the working class and the middle class. And those who feel just they're they're manual workers and those who feel I'm an academic. Jesus tears down every wall of every single hostility. It's only in the church you really find the young and the old mixing together on a common purpose. He's created something absolutely outstanding and supernatural. It's true, I heard this week, that we love it when the supernatural breaks in and there's supernatural healing. And that's amazing. But there's also the supernatural of harmony. The supernatural of people dwelling together. Mm. That's a supernatural event. Then through Christ, people begin to be harmonious and loving one another and hostility gets torn down. Jesus Christ is the answer to our area where just under the surface sometimes there's, inter- there's tensions between the, between the groups and between between this people and that people and this race and that race and this colour and that colour and this background and that background and the haves and the have-nots and the rich and the poor. And, and, and Jesus Christ is the answer to our society, is the answer to our families, is the answer in our own hearts. There can be a miracle of reconciliation. Maybe in your own life you feel there are areas where actually... You know, there's, there's still that wall of hostility, maybe, that we read. between. It can sometimes be between, uh, 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 between you and your mum, or you and your dad, or you and a sibling, or a friend at work, or something else. That God is the one who makes a miracle of reconciliation. He does something first in our heart. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being self-control. He does something in our heart. He does something by igniting love in our heart. And that love pulls down the hostility between us and other people. He transforms relationships. This is the cross that heals the hurts in our own hearts. It's what God is saying in these verses. I'm building a house that's harmonious. I'm building a house where I'm going to dwell by my spirit. I'm building a house where everybody gets a fresh and clean slate. I'm building a house where everybody has equal access to the Father. I'm building a house where there's harmony between brother and sister. I'm building a house where dividing walls are being taken down. I'm building a house where a miraculous work of God is taking place. Where Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone, the glue, the one who holds it all together. So I'm just going to invite us to stand. I want to pray for us, particularly just even in the whole thing of reconciliation. That Jesus Christ here is saying, look, Paul is saying, look, Jesus Christ has pulled down the hostility between these totally opposing groups. There was a miracle that happened in the New Testament. And there's a miracle that can happen in your life, even in your own circumstances. That he can do miracles between, it can be you and a work colleague. It can be you between a mom and dad. It can be between husbands and wives. It can be between brothers and sisters and friends. It can be the miracle in our own community. 
where people love one another on a deeper level, where the common thread between people groups is Jesus Christ. Amen. So even in your own heart, just begin to take that scripture. Look, he, he, he pulled down the wall of hostility between two radically opposing groups. He can do that in your life, in your circumstances. Yeah, we just declare that, Lord Jesus. We declare on our families mm-hmm. peace. Yes. yes. And we just right. say, let there be breakthroughs, God, between people who haven't spoken for a long, long time. Let there be the oil of forgiveness that flows between people in families. Let yes, walls right. of hostility that got built yeah. up, let them be torn down yes, in Jesus' Lord. name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let there be a fresh wave of peace in your family, in our families. Sure, let the peace of Christ touch your families. For he himself is our peace, yeah. Yeah. who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, mm. the dividing wall of hostility. Yeah, that's right. We just that's say right. let walls of hostility, let them be brought down yes. in Jesus' name. Even in your own heart, let there be decisions right now. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I'm not excusing what happened, what they did, what they didn't do, what they said, what they should have said, but they're no longer in debt to me. Mm. I'm no longer going to punish them. I choose to forgive them. Mm. From Mm. my side, the wall of hostility is broken. And it might take time to trust. And sometimes relationships don't always get restored to what they were before. But you know that the root of bitterness, the hostility in your own heart yeah, can be yeah. removed. Thank you. Yeah. And we just say we choose forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Mm. We yeah. choose to say the wall of hostility does not exist on my side. And as well, I just, just say to God, we just say to others, I choose to forgive myself. I choose to forgive myself where I didn't say what I wish I had said. Or I said what I wish I hadn't said. Or I did what I regret. Or I didn't love in the way that I wanted to love. Or I made a mistake or a poor choice. I choose to forgive myself. And I say, Jesus Christ is the way that my heart is getting cleaned up from the mistakes that I have made. I'm coming through that door of Jesus Christ. And I receive right now the forgiveness and the peace that comes from God. And I, by faith, choose to believe the truth of the Bible that says there is no wall of hostility between me and God. That Jesus Christ has destroyed the wall of hostility that whilst I did deserve wrath, I have now been included in the Beloved and I am loved in exactly the same way that Jesus Christ was loved and is loved by the Father. Mm, mm. The Bible says that in in John 17. I've actually heard myself quote it. It's blasphemous to say that. Then you read it again afresh. So no, you are as loved by the Father as Jesus Christ is loved by the Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, there is yeah. no wall of hostility mm. between you and God. Yes, and and right now, I just, I just think we just need to get militant about this. Take authority over false. Con- there's no condemnation. 
for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Jesus says, if you're on the way to court and your accuser is taking you, admit your guilt and admit as well there's an advocate as one who's paid the price for you. You yeah. are forgiven. That's right. yes. And we just say, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is illegal. It's been dealt with at the cross. Because at the cross of Christ, every sin, every failing, yeah. everything that we should be shameful or guilty about has been paid in totality Amen. and he has made peace. That's, what the God, that's why it's good news. So today you say in your own heart, I choose to forgive myself because the higher court of heaven has declared me not guilty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And, and, yeah. and I just now say, I just feel God's going to release gifting in you because some of you have held down your gifting because you felt actually I'm not equal and I don't have equal access and I'm inferior to other people because of my past. And God is now saying to you, I want you to think differently. You're not inferior. You're the same. Okay, you can hear my voice, you can do great works, you're going to do great things, I've got purpose and calling on you, stop putting yourself down, you must believe the assessment of heaven, you're a dearly loved son and daughter and you're wonderfully, wonderfully forgiven. Yeah, so God, we say miracles in the homes, yeah, miracles right. of reconciliation breaking out all over God, miracles of forgiveness, miracles of reconciliation, miracles of overlooking an offence. We say miracles of understanding our identity and, vision, and value and worth. And we say miracles of forgiving ourselves in the name of Jesus. Amen. Through the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus who brought us near, who were once far. Mm. And has given us hope, who were without God in the world. We bless you for the gospel. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.